Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Hallelujah, we sing, Lord, to you. Praise the one, the risen Son of God. Lord Jesus, we, as your people, are gathered here. God, we declare these things. We declare these to you, Jesus. You're above all, Lord. We know you do, Lord, but we ask, would you hear the praises of your people this morning? Jesus, we're here. We, we understand the work that you've done for us. Lord, what you're doing in and through us in this season of life as we speak. And Jesus, we look forward to what you're going to do. The promises that haven't been fulfilled yet, that are coming. And Jesus, this morning, we recognize these things and we worship you, Jesus, because you are the name above all names. And we bow the knees of our hearts to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat this morning. Thank you so much, team. Thank you for the worship this morning. Well, I, there's not a Sunday that, that goes by that I am not so thankful uh, for this body on a weekly basis uh, to meet and praise our King, uh, to, to remember, you know, to just to remember who He is uh, and His faithfulness and His grace uh, and His mercies. Well, what a great song before the throne of God. Just uh, I hope you guys saw some thick theology in there of, of who Jesus is, the great high priest, uh, the one who intercedes for us. Um, it's awesome. Amen and amen. Well, hey, my name is Matt. I'm the worship pastor here at the church. And I wanted to welcome you this morning. If you're new with us, uh, I saw a few new faces. If you're here, welcome. We're glad you're here visiting uh, this morning. If you are coming in for the first time or in the last few weeks, our church has been through a, a, a transition. Uh, you're coming in on a new, kind of a new chapter that God's opening for us as a church. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we, we actually gathered right here. Above and below our, our lead pastor and his wife, and we blessed and prayed for them as they are actually embarking now. They're, they're, they're in Omaha. They're in a new ministry that God called them to. Uh, they didn't necessarily want to go, but they just really felt God calling them uh, to this new ministry. And so we as a church, we claim ourselves as, as, a, as a church who wants to send, wants to send missions, uh, wants to send missionaries into the world to, to share the gospel, to do the work that God wants to do through them. And so we, just like anybody else, we, we said, Yes, we will send you guys. And we, we prayed them off. And we prayed them off well a couple of weeks ago. And then last week we had a kind of a, a we called it a transition Sunday. Uh, and if you weren't here last Sunday, I really encourage you. Uh, we, have a, we have a podcast online, riveroflifegj.com or on iTunes, the podcast. Look, look for River of Life GJ. Uh, I'd encourage you, if you missed last week, we had a transitional survey where we kind of took a step back. We considered the great things that God has done so far in our church body. From the very beginning, back in 1990, when people were praying about this church plan, and as they came, we, we kind of looked at the stones of remembrance, if you will, of our church. And we kind of we declared those things together. And then we also, last Sunday, we kind of looked at a passage in Philippians 3, talking about, you know, we don't want to forget what lies behind, but we press forward 
for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and that we as a church, lead pastor or not, we, we are on the search. And again, listen to last week. We gave an update of what that process is looking like, what to expect as a church body coming down the pipe. But, but as a church body, as we're looking for a new lead pastor, it's not like we cease being a church, right? We're still call of God to, 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 called of God to, to share the gospel to our neighbors, to be a church who sends out missionaries. We still got four missionaries that we support as a church out beyond uh, around the world. And with the Great Commission Fund, we have over 700 missionaries that we participate in supporting them with the Great Commission Fund. Um, anyways, so we, last week as a church, we, hey, we just kind of called us out as a church. Hey, this isn't a time to fear. This isn't a time to wonder what's, what's going to happen to River of Life. This is a time, as Toby said very clearly, to get a grip onto Christ because he's got a grip on us. And we're going to run forward and press forward what, what God has for us. Hence the new series. Uh, we're jumping into a new series today. Uh, and I'm going to kind of intro this series this morning for us. Heroes of the faith. We come to a, a chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11. And you guys, if you guys are familiar with the book of Hebrews in that chapter, you know that it kind of goes through characters. It you know, starts right with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. goes into you know, Sarah's story with Abraham too and, and, and Moses and the prophets and different men and women that had great faith and are examples to us today. Throughout the next, we're actually going to be doing this. This is week one, okay? So we got 17 more weeks of this. This is going to be awesome. All the top, uh, you guys remember in Sunday school, maybe growing up like me, uh, where, where we covered, you know, David and Goliath and, and Moses and the Exodus and these just amazing stories that I, that I think you'll remember from Sunday school if you grew up in church uh, of these stories of faith, men and women who exemplified great faith. But before jumping in this morning, I want to ask us a question. It's a question that I asked quite a bit when, I, when, when we knew that we're going to be coming into this series. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to say this. Uh, as we do this series, there's going to be, we got, I think, five different guys on a preaching team uh, that are going to be preaching through each, each character as we, as we navigate. So, so it's going to be fun. Uh, I'll be doing some preaching. Uh, our, our family pastor, John Randall, will be doing some preaching. We got uh, one of our elders, Jeff Piper, will be covering. Uh, David Edwards, if you know him, great godly man. Uh, loves the Lord. Can't wait to teach uh, through the series too. And, and finally, you'll be meeting him in a couple weeks. A guy named Doug Grogan. Uh, he's kind of a retired pastor the, the, from the Christian Missionary Alliance. Who's actually the district superintendent uh, at one point in our district. And he, he's been coming to this church for the last couple of years. And he's going to be uh, sharing some some times uh, in in our word, in God's word throughout the series too. So so be looking forward to seeing different faces up here as we as we navigate this series. Anyways. Back to this question, and this isn't a rhetorical question. I want some, I want some feedback here this morning. I want, it, I want us to get our wheels moving a little bit, okay? Why do a series, here we are, River of Life, Church, 2011, things going around, you know, along, uh, around the world going on, things are happening, good and bad, okay? Why would we, as a church, why would we do a series on the heroes of faith? And as you think of it, just go ahead and spout them off. Why, why would we want to do a, a series on this Heroes of the faith. Creates confidence. Was that you, Matt? So, yeah, it can create in us, you know, believers, a, a confidence of seeing some examples of faith, men and women who lived and died in faith. It can give us great confidence for sure. Any, any other ideas? And there's no wrong ideas, I don't think, unless you said something really weird. Yeah. 
That's a really good point. That wasn't brought out in the first service. She just said, there's so many heroes, you know, be it, you know, movie stars or actresses or, you know, people in, in media or social media, you know, there's so many heroes to, we shouldn't be looking up to really at all. And so, yes, these are good heroes of faith to be looking at. And yeah, Tim. Yes, that was a consensus in the first service too. These guys and gals that we're going to be studying, I don't know who's on the bottom of that screen, you know, maybe that's Abraham on the far left. Maybe, oh, that's obviously Moses with the staff, right? Where's Rahab? She's in there somewhere and Sarah. Anyways, these men and women, they, they were not perfect. Goodness sake, some of their lives were just a mess. You know, they, they'd have high highs, but they'd have low lows too. Exactly. They, 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 perfect example. And, you know, it gives us great hope that these guys were up and down, left and right. And when we're that same way, we can, we can just have that example. A- any other reasons? Why, why would we as a church jump into the series? Just, just getting our juices rolling here. I heard a couple things. What? Sorry. Yeah, to encourage us in that, in our ups and downs. Sometimes we're just kind of like, Lord, I don't even see right in front of me. What? Yeah, to encourage us to know what faith looks like. Vern. That is true. That is true. And we get there at the, pretty much at the end of this foundational intro to the series. They weren't the end all be all. Their faith had an object in its sight. And we'll get there. Kind of a broad theme that, you know, in the midst of all of our answers, and they're all correct. But as we start and navigate this series, to walk and live by faith, we as men and women, boys and girls who profess to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and we who desire to live a life according to God's will, and who want to seek for God's kingdom to come and, you know, both his kingdom to come in us as he shapes and molds us to, to his image and, and, and through us as we, as we are called to be on mission to, to share his love with others that may not know him yet, right? In all of this, we want to live. We need to know what it means to live and walk by faith. We need to know what it means to live and walk by faith. To know what faith actually is. Because I think faith sometimes is a concept that we, 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 we've heard about and we know, obviously we know what it is. But do we know, just if you break down and strip down all the different parts of faith, what, what's the essence of faith? What's the essence of faith? What does it actually look like? What's in its simplest form? And what, is, what does it mean really to live by faith? What does that actually look like? These questions and more are things we'll be covering as we dive into this series. To live and walk by faith. What I hope to do personally this morning, um, I wanted to just give an intro to the series before just diving in and give us a good kind of step back. I want to lay a, a nice foundation for us as we approach Hebrews 11, okay? You can't just plunk Hebrews 11 and look at it by itself. You need to like look at the whole book of Hebrews. Anyways, I want to lay a foundation this morning in this intro. Uh, and this foundation, I believe, has three components that I want to cover this morning. Number one, I do want to look at defining faith in its simple terms, okay? What it actually looks like in, in simple terms. I want to kind of navigate and think about what faith is in its essence. Uh, secondly, I want to walk through chapter 11 of Hebrews 
Because as you read that, and like I said, you can't just plunk that away and bring it out of context of the whole book of Hebrews. There's a common thread throughout this chapter, and we'll see it. Um, where, the, where the author of Hebrews pauses, he, he's going along, you know, talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, Moses, Sarah, you know, all these people. And he'll pause and he'll rise above all of the characters of faith. And they'll say, he'll say something about all of them. He'll, he'll give a common thread that they all share in common. And I want to look at that where, the, where the author pauses and gives that common thread. And finally, I want to look at, uh, like I said, you can't just pull this chapter out by itself. I want to look at the greater context of the book of Hebrews as a whole and how the heroes of faith chapter fits in uh, to, to the book as a whole. Um, why don't you turn uh, with me to, to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and I'm going to just pray real quick as, as you guys turn there. Lord Jesus, again, we pause. Um, Lord, it would, um, it would be nonsense, nonsense for us to continue forward without asking Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, would you illuminate the truths of your scripture to us? Jesus, we know that in this room, there's 150 or 200 different stories, different journeys that are happening right now among these men and women, boys and girls in this place, myself included, Lord, where our lives are at certain places, we're in certain seasons, we've been, we've had certain years, uh, Jesus, would you illuminate your word to us specifically, to each one, our hearts and our minds this morning, uh, in, this, in this stuff of faith. Jesus, we, we ask this, we, only you can do this work, and we ask this in your name, amen. Well, let's, let's jump in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith in simple terms. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Some of your translations may have, uh, instead of assurance there, a confidence. Now faith is the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now there's a bunch of great men and women out there. As I kind of looked and studied about giving an intro to this Heroes of the Faith series, there's a, there's a bunch of amazing definitions out there of, of kind of, of authors and, and, and pastors. Like I looked at, uh, you know, John Piper, what does he have to say about faith? How does he de- define faith? Uh, Timothy Keller, really love his definition. Uh, C.S. Lewis. Mother Teresa has a cool way of explaining what faith is. It, and you can Google any of these and you guys can figure out what they're saying. I'm just kind of leaving you hanging here, but... John Calvin has a, has a great way of describing what faith is in its simplest form, right? As you strip everything away. But for some of you, you may not know this author. And I wanted to share this because he's not so much a big name in America. He's more in, in Britain and England. Uh, Major Ian W. Thomas. Anybody know Ian Thomas? Anyone read some of Ian Thomas? Hey, a few more than the first service. That's great. Well, in this little book, uh, The Indwelling Life of Christ, All of Him and All of Me, uh, Ian Thomas writes a little excerpt about kind of stripping everything away and, and faith in its simple form. What is it? And I just, I just thought I'd share this with us this morning as we continue forward. He says this, Faith is the law that governs our relationship to God and God's relationship to us. Faith is the interlock between the Holy Spirit and the human soul. To establish our love for God and dependence on God through our total obedience to God. 
And if you've read him, you, you can hear him almost saying this. That threefold moral relationship allows God to accomplish his will in us, in you, and, and through us, through you. Faith on our part invites and invokes God's activity. God's activity. Faith, okay, again, and there's a lot of angles of faith. I'm trying to strip things away and look at it in, in simple terms in its, in its essence. Faith is the go-between bef- between us as a human person, right? A, cre- a creature, a, cre- a part of the creation. Now, the highest part of creation, right? God paused and, and as he's creating everything, he pauses and he actually breathes life into us, which separates us from, we have a living soul, okay? But it's the go-between. Faith is that thing, the go-between, the interlock, as Ian Thomas says, between us and a transcendent God. As we bow our knee and surrender to the Lord Jesus, and I trust that some, most of us in this room have, we've bowed our knee to, to, to the Lord as, as our Lord and Savior. We realize, that, and by faith we receive his work done on the cross to redeem us. And, and, and in that he washes us from, from our sin and we receive his righteousness. That whole interchange, right? That's all done in faith. We know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is that interlock between us and God. And even as we desire to grow in Christ, and and as we try to understand more and more of his love for us and, and how to share the gospel and serve those around us and allow his love to just be what impacts people for his kingdom's sake, even all of that, you know, I, hope, I pray that's, that's your desire. That's why you're coming here today is to know how to live better and just, just how, to, how to abide in him better. All of that is surrounded by faith as well. It's motivated by faith. In fact, if you, if you jump down to verse 6, it even in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about without faith, it's, it's impossible to please God. Well, I think this series is important then. Have you guys ever been to a county fair? Fairgrounds, who loves, who loves the fair? I bet you all the kids in children's church would go... I remember as a kid, well, not even as a kid, even now, I love going to the fair. Um, I grew up in a little town. There was about a thousand people in my town, little, little Wilton in Maine, the state of Maine. Wait, we're not in Canada. We are part of the United States, okay? Stop making fun. Um, anyways, growing up in, in Maine, all right, we didn't have much going on in the town. I'll just be honest. I mean, we had great lakes and stuff. But in terms of like entertainment, things to do, we didn't, anyway, every year we'd have a county fair, and boy, everybody, right, would come out for the fair, those, those, uh, those baked dough boys. Or what do you guys, you guys call them fried dough, I think? We call them dough boys. Mm, greasy goodness. Anyways, we'd all come out of the woodwork and we'd go to the county fair. And at the fair, anyone know the ride, the zipper? And remember the zipper? For those of you that don't know the zipper, the zipper was this big thing about the size of, as tall as the sanctuary, this big oblong like metal thing with a bunch of cars attached to it, you know, out, out of the sides. And this whole thing would rotate, right? And, and each car too were on little bearings and they, each cart would rotate too. So when you'd get whipped up, if you were on the cart on the very top, you'd come up over yeah, and you'd just start, yeah. Me and my friends used to count how many rotations we could do on, you know. Anyways, okay. 
No rabbit trails. Um, I just remember as a kid, right, the carny would, would lock us into those little cages. And I remember, you know, you know, he'd set a pin in there and, okay. And I'd shake the door. Ah, we're, we're pretty good as it starts going. And I'm pretty, pretty safe in here. Well, I remember kind of like, as I got a little older, you know, I was in high school, 15 or so, still loving the fair, would go to the zipper. And I just remember, you know, as I started thinking about it, I'm like, boy, when we really get tossed up there, why aren't I, you know, it's a good thing that we're just, we're attached to this thing. So we're not just going flying off, right? And I started inspecting, like, how did they make this that, you know, that we're not getting just thrown out into to the space. So, and I, and I noticed there's a big metal arm that would come off that main part and it would come down. And then, then our big cage would be attached to this big arm. So big arm, right, going on, big cage and a little pin, right in between our cage and the big arm. And, and I just remember, like God brought that to my memory. And when we're talking about faith, faith, like, like in, in, in this, you know, faith is that little, it seems so small, and yet it, it makes all of the difference in the world. You pull that pin out and go around the corner, you, you just made a mess of your life. And the same is true it's, it's, that is hilarious. That would be horrible if that ever happened. But the same is true for, for faith in the Christian walk. Without faith, we fly off into oblivion or depression or you fill in the blank. You've maybe felt some feelings of despair. Without faith, we're up a creek without a paddle. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. As I studied this week, you know, again, wanting to lay a good foundation for myself, but for, for us as we dive into this series, the ESV study Bible commentary had a great paragraph that, that you know, I didn't want to try to piece into my own words. I'm just going to read this for you this morning. How they define when, when literally when talking about this Hebrews 11.1 1 verse, this is what this commentary says. And I, and I put some pieces on the screen as we fall down on this paragraph. It says this, by defining faith as assurance and conviction, the author indicates that biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. Because God will bring it about. Thus, biblical faith, it continues, is not blind trust in the face of contrary evidence Not an unknowable leap in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, eternally trustworthy. The God who has revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ, whose promises have proven true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake his own. That's what faith is. Faith is the insurance, the assurance. It's not a vague hope. It's a settled confidence. It's a big difference there. It's not a blind trust. It's a confident trust. And we need to know that this, this morning. We need to know that faith is not just, it's, we're, we're confident like, yeah, you know? 
You're like, what was that, Matt? I, that was jumping off the cliff. I don't know. Faith is the insurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the writer of Hebrews goes on, for by it, by faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Okay? And it's here where the, where the author of Hebrews, if you're familiar with Hebrews, he just launches into describing all these different characters, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Sarah's deal with Abraham and Moses, and on and on the list will go as we'll look at these characters in the coming weeks. But it's here that the writer of Hebrews begins describing these heroes of faith, revealing each one's unique journey with the Lord and with their faith. Now, again, laying a foundation, okay, that's kind of, I think that can hopefully give us something to hold to what faith's all about. Continuing on, as the author goes into, you know, these characters, like I said before, there's a common thread where, where the author will pause, he'll rise above all the characters, and he'll speak, he'll share a common thread that they all hold in common. Look at verses 13 through 16 with me. A common thread. And it's on the screen if you need. So he rises above, okay? He's talked about Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Zerzer. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised. Interesting. But having seen them from, uh, having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been seeking or thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, I want to be crystal clear, okay, as, as we move into the next following 17 weeks, next five months into all these different characters, we need to be crystal clear on this common thread, okay? These were strangers. They acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, okay? Now, that might sound weird. You may, what, what does that mean? And we're we're, we're going to navigate that a little bit. They acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And it says, that, it continues, that they were seeking a homeland, not of earth, but a better country, a heavenly one. Now, this, this idea of a homeland, okay, that, that, that the writer of Hebrews is making mention here, a homeland in the Old Testament was a reference to the land and, and all of the estate of your father. And, and the same thing was true for, for his father and his father. Like land and their estate and all their pastures and their water source and their tools and their agricultural ways of you know, tilling the land and, and their livestock. All of the things that your father had or that his father had before him was considered the homeland. Okay? It was the compilation of all these earthly possessions that the father would have. And you as a child in this culture, it was usually the eldest son would inherit this to continue to take care of and provide for his family. First family's livelihood and his family's future. And this idea of a homeland really in this culture, okay, it was highly regarded. Like when you receive that or, or if you didn't receive that for whatever reason, that was a big deal. Okay. We may hear about that later when we talk about Jacob and I, Anyways, a homeland was a big deal. 
It was of great importance. And if you look at uh, verse 15 and 16 again, it says that these all uh, people of faith were seeking a homeland that was not an earthly country or a state, but a heavenly one. They were not looking to, for, for, from their earthly father's possession to sustain them, but they were looking to God to provide and fulfill this for them. You know, the unique thing about this too, and I think for this morning we need to pause and, and consider this, okay? Having considered that they were strangers and exiles on earth, okay? They're, they were seeking this homeland, and if they had been thinking of that land, okay, of, of an earthly homeland, like re, the regular society, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one, okay? They recognized that God was establishing their ultimate homeland, and catch this. These people of faith, not they didn't even necessarily expect that the promises were going to be fulfilled on their, during their earthly journey on earth. They were expecting all the promises for sure to be done in heaven. I think that's pretty significant. In our American society, you know, people tell us over and over again from when we're wee little, little whippersnappers all the way up until now, you can do anything. You can get everything. You can live your dreams. You can get, you know, get, you know if you think of a, a homeland as, as, you know, all the dreams and, 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 and things of, of being provided for and, and all your needs met. We live in this culture that really says you can get it all and you can get it all now. I don't know about you, but so far for me, that's not true. There's a lot of things that I would change about my life right now that could be a lot better. If I was in charge of my own life and what was my circumstances and things hitting me, I would say, well, I would change this, I would change this, and I would change that. There may be some of us in this room, I just want to pause, who according to our own estimation think that God is not staying faithful to his promises to us. Be it financial issues, relational turmoil, job situations, emotional or psychological problems, or health issues. Some of us in this room right now, we have a timeline that we've created in our heads that that we believe in our finite minds would be best for us. And and in our finite minds, we believe, and we have a timeline on God. If if you're to be faithful to your promise to provide for me, this is what it looks like. You're playing God. You're playing, I know what's best for me. And that's a huge, huge burden to bear. It's a huge burden to question God's ability or his faithfulness. To stay true to his promises. But I think we do that sometimes, guys. And I don't know if I'm alone. I could be. I do it because my eyes are fixed right here. I'm not looking, I'm not even looking at other people around me. I'm looking at me and myself and I and I'm having a nice little pity party. And don't get me wrong, some of these things that, that, we, that we struggle with, they're, they're real deal stuff. Financialism, that, that's, that's not a little thing, that's huge. 
God knows that. Health issues, emotional issues, whatever it is, relational things. Psychological problems, things going on in our lives, they're big deals. But when we, when, we, when we place that burden of, okay, we know what we should expect from God and His promises need to look like this for them to be filled in our lives, we are treading on thin ice. And these men and women of faith didn't do that. They were seeking, they, they knew that God was going to make well on His promises. They desired, desired a better country. They were looking to heaven. Faith, as we were talking about just before, is the assurance of things hoped for. Okay? It's the conviction of things not seen. If everything just fell into place like what you wanted and how you wrote your own life or how you've dreamed your own life or imagined it, you wouldn't need faith. God calls us to be people of faith. The conviction of things not seen. If there's something in your life right now that you feel God isn't completing a promise in your life, just hang on and have faith and he will see it through on his timetable, in his way. The fruition and fullness of his promises are coming. Walk in faith. Anyway, so this common thread, okay, he pauses there, rises above, talks about that. He rises again. Look at verse 39 and 40 with me. He rises again above, above it all. Again, he, he covers into, you know, different people's story and, and, and rising above all. He says in all of these, verse 39, all of these, all these men and women, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, verse 40, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, let me read that again. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Huh? Okay, he says that twice throughout this chapter. He says this twice. Did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they, these heroes of faith, should not be made perfect. Now, what, what in the world is going on here? What is the author of Hebrews trying to really get at when he's saying these kind of things? It, it, it's puzzling at first glance. But if you take the book of Hebrews as a whole, Okay, if you kind of rise above and look at its greater context, you see that it makes perfect sense. Of what, and you'll, you'll see what, what the author's getting at here in a moment. So the greater context of the book of Hebrews, it's primarily an argument that proves that Jesus Christ and his redemptive work is greater and better than anything or anyone in all of biblical history. There's a resounding crescendo throughout the whole book of Hebrews. In chapters 1 and 2, it talks about Jesus, the supremacy of Christ, being above angels. In chapters 3 and 4, it talks about Jesus is greater than Moses or any other Old Testament saint or prophet. 
In Hebrews 5, chapter 5 and 7, he, he explains how he's greater than any high priest. All, beyond all any high priest of Israel, as they would do the sacrificial system in the Old Covenant, Jesus' work was greater. In 8 9, again, greater than the Old Covenant. And in chapter 10, okay, mind you, before going into this, this, this chapter of faith, he's greater than any Old Testament sacrifice. And during this crescendo, turn with me to uh, chapter 10. I, I want to show you guys what's going on here. Chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. As, as this crescendo is going, like, Jesus is better than angels. Moses, Old Testament stuff, Old Covenant stuff. Moses, high priest. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. If you read, it's, it's a phenomenal book. And we come to chapter 10, right before, the, right before this uh, chapter 11 here, in verses 19 through 23. It says, therefore, brothers, sisters, since we have great confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, listen to this verse 22. Let us then draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Okay? This crescendo is rising up and it comes to chapter 10. And that's where we're introduced right there in the middle of verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. The author of Hebrews says. And then, then we launch into chapter 11, which we'll be getting into. But then I want to show you on the other side of chapter 11. In, verse, in chapter 12. Flip there with me. And it's up on the screen. In chapter 12 it says, therefore. Okay, and, and, and when you see a word therefore, what do you ask? What's it there for? Well, the whole 1 through 10 chapters of Hebrews, bum, 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 I'm sorry, 1 through 11, bam, 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 come in the point. Therefore, since we are surrounded by these great crowds of witnesses that we just chatted about, that we're going to be diving through the next 17 weeks, since we have these witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The greater context, again, as, as we lay a foundation for us, as we, as we jump into this series the next five months, let us on this foundation stand that the greater context of Hebrews, you can't plunk this chapter 11 out by itself, in the greater context of Hebrews, this is all about Jesus. The promise, okay, what, what we're puzzled at the end of 11, and all these that come in by the, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they shouldn't be made perfect. What is this? The promise that the heroes of faith didn't receive was the coming work of Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his, and his resurrection. Jesus' victory over sin and death was what these heroes of faith craved. They craved to be righteous. They craved to have sin done away with in their lives. 
his victory over sin and death, his redeeming offer extended to all people to receive him as Lord and Savior. To receive the coming Holy Spirit, we, re- we read prophecies in Joel about the coming Holy Spirit, that God was going to dwell in his people, and that he would be their God. And, and here we are today, guys, this New Testament church, we're on the other side of the cross. And these heroes of faith, they were looking to the cross, and they were, they were, they, they were looking for that, that, that fulfillment of that promise that God had, had put on their hearts. God was going to give them a homeland through the work of Jesus Christ. That separated gap between sin and God was bridged. The truest and best homeland that only Jesus can provide. To live and walk by faith. I, I think as we, as we start off in this series, maybe four things for us to really consider. Number one, understanding that we live as strangers and exiles during our time on earth. This isn't our home. First Peter, Peter to, to a church that had been scattered from persecution. In first Peter, he talks about, hey, you guys are aliens to this world. This, this land is a foreign, this is foreign ground to us that know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. This is not our home. Now, I believe we do have glimpses as we abide in Jesus and he in us and we, 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 as we fellowship and as we worship. Our God, I believe there are many glimpses where we, can, where we can sit back and experience the kingdom of God and its beauty and its fullness because of the abiding presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But in the midst of this time... The, there's still sin. There's still the enemy that prowls around to, to throw trials or throw you know, darts at us and, and take us down. He wants, to, he wants to destroy us. And so in this time, in a way, like the Old Testament, these heroes of the faith, like they were looking forward to the cross, we in this time, we're post the cross. We're looking back to the cross, but we're also kind of, we're looking forward. We're, we're walking in faith. Not that we don't know that Jesus came already, but that he's coming again. And the book of Revelations talks about that God is going to wipe away every tear. And he's going to banish all pain. We're not going to know what pain is. Praise God. <laughs> For some of us sitting here that are in pain... This, I, I pray that this can produce some faith and hope in us that we ought to live. We ought to live as strangers and exiles on this earth. This is not our home. And if you've set up your home and you're all comfortable, I would question, why are you so comfortable? Now, now, now I hope you hear my heart on that. Like, okay. Number two, I think fixing our eyes on Jesus like these men and women of faith. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith like we just read in Hebrews chapter 12. Number three, we, we live here on mission for the gospel. You know, I'm a worship pastor and I, I, I've thought a decent deal about this. Lord Jesus, if the, if the primary reason for us as followers are you, is to worship you, why wouldn't you zap us up to heaven right when we're saved? Or if the primary reason why we're continuing on earth is to, uh, you know, honor your name and, and glorify your name and, and, again, you know, worship you, it doesn't compute with my brain 
that, that, that when we're saved, we're not just zapped up to heaven. So why? Why do we live out the rest of our days, 60 years, 70 years, 30 years, whenever it is that we come to know Jesus, say when we're born again, why do we remain on earth? Well, I believe it's because we need it. God has a mission that he wants us to do. He wants to live through us in a way where his kingdom comes through us, the church. I think it's something we need to carry with us through this, through this series. As we look at these examples of faith, we need to ask ourselves, are we living on mission? Finally, are we really looking forward to a homeland that only God can provide? Or are we so busy trying to fix our own problems? And, do our, and like I said, it's not, it's not wrong to be wise and be prudent and to be establishing, you know, decent home life and decent jobs. You know, that, that stuff is all good and it's, we want to be good stewards. But are we looking at this life as, as the end-all be-all? Are we so focused on just this life that we lose lifting our eyes up, fixing our eyes on Christ? He's our goal. He's going to give us our truest and most fulfilling homeland in this life and in the next. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. So as we jump into the series in the following weeks, I want us to ask ourselves a question. How's our faith? How's our faith doing? I want you to maybe, maybe take a moment as we sing this last song. And by the way, team, I'm going to pull a fast one, Judy, on the media. If you guys could end with God with us, is that okay? Awesome. Flexible is my middle name, even though I'm not flexible. Um, I pray that we might take a moment in this last song. Maybe, maybe God's bringing up the, by the power of the Holy Spirit some things in our minds already that we're not walking in faith with. In fact, we're walking in fear in, okay? As we, as we approach next week, we're going to be diving into the, the life of Abraham. And we're going to look at the difference of, of fear, living in fear. And he lived in fear a couple times, if you know his story, okay? And he made a mess of his life. And he was talking about burdens, right? Anyways. What does it look like for us to live in faith? And I pray that as we sing this last song, maybe ask the Holy Spirit, oh, how am I doing? How am I walking in faith? How am I walking in the things that I know you've promised, but I'm not seeing anything at this point in life yet? Let's sing this last song and then we'll give a blessing and we'll, we'll head out.